0: Hello and welcome to episode number 390 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and this is part three of my four-episode series, RWA, One Month Later. Today, we're hearing from RWA. Jessie Edwards is the Marketing and PR Manager for Romance Writers of America, and she is joining me to answer questions about loss of trust, the steps being taken to address member concerns filling the leadership positions that are currently vacant, and what comes next for RWA, for the National Conference, and for the membership. If you're just joining the series, there are two episodes prior to this one that should be in your podcast feed. There's an episode with the officers of Simra, and there's an episode with past president of RWA, Helen K. Diamond. Tomorrow, February 3rd, I will have an episode with Courtney Milan. I want to extend a special thank you to our Patreon community. Without the Patreon community the episodes wouldn't be transcribed and it's important to them and to me that each episode be accessible. So thank you to the Patreon community for each and every pledge that makes sure that we can transcribe these. And thank you to garlic knitter for transcribing all of these episodes so quickly. If you would like to join our Patreon community, have a look at patreoncom slash smart bitches. If you're a long time listener or short time listener of this show, You probably know that most episodes are pretty chill. They're very casual. I, myself, am a very silly person. This episode is a little different. This is a very serious and difficult conversation. And I want to thank Jesse for taking the time to talk to me and answering the questions that I had, which were not easy questions by a long shot. If you have feedback or suggestions or ideas or you want to tell me what you think of this series, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And now let's get started with episode three out of four of RWA One Month Later with Jesse Edwards. Would you please introduce yourself and tell the people who will be listening what your job is inside RWA? Sure. Um,
1: hi, I am Jesse Edwards. I am the marketing and PR manager at RWA. I joined the organization a couple of years ago, and before that, I was in romance publicity for about seven years um, at RWA. I am involved in communications. Uh, I work on strategic partnerships. I uh, organize our presence at trade shows and festivals, and and different things like that. And you know, I'm here today to just talk to you about and share more with our members and anyone who's listening. You know what we're
0: doing to regain trust, and rebuild our organization. Now, I want to be clear, there are limitations to what you can talk about. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, correct. Um, so we you know, need to ensure the uh, integrity of the audit that we're conducting into our specific ethics uh, matter and our ethics process. We won't be speaking on that in detail. Um okay. can say that, you know, we've hired uh, an independent outside firm to um, who are an expert in association ethics issues. Um, we are fully cooperating with them um, on this matter, and they are currently uh, in the interview conducting phase. And, you know, once that's complete and once they have their final report, we are going to be sharing that uh, with the membership.
0: So let's start with what you've already um, mentioned that RWA has acknowledged in writing and, you know, just now that there is a loss of trust in the membership. What steps is RWA taking to address that loss of trust?
1: Uh, Yes. um, You know, we know that, as you said, we've lost uh, the membership has lost trust in, um, you know, the leadership. But uh, and it's going to be a long process uh, to regain that back. Um, But the board and staff are, you know, committed to doing so. And, you know, concrete steps so far, um, as I said, you know, we've hired this firm to conduct the audit Um, in their report. They're going to have findings on this specific matter, but they're also going to have recommendations for uh, our ethics process moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, We have announced uh, leadership transitions. Leslie Scantleberry is our new interim executive director, and we are very thrilled that she is in the, uh, in that position. She's agreed to step in. Um, We've, uh, she's been on staff for uh, 10 years. Um, She was gone last year uh, for a new job opportunity, but she came back in November and um, you know, she's been through that decade. She's been here. She's been a really great resource for members. Um, And, The members have been giving her really positive feedback, her appointment, really positive feedback. Um, So we're excited about that. And then we are currently in the process of identifying a a DEI consultant or a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant who's going to work with us on a bunch of different things, Um, board and staff recruitment, uh, membership programming, events, uh, including our conference um, training for the staff and the board and chapter leaders, and then just really taking a foundational look at our policies and procedures. Um, And, you know, we're going to keep members updated on uh, that process and, you know, the continued steps that we're taking.
0: Wasn't there already a DEI consultant?
1: Yes, uh, Sunny Lee Goodman. um, She was in uh, for a specific... um, you know, she had a separate and specific scope of work. And uh, she was working with us on, you know, the Ritas. Um, mm-hmm. was uh, going to do some training uh, for the board and staff. and um, you know, but now we are um, taking propo- like we're looking at a, a broad range of proposals at this point,
0: so you want, you're looking to expand the scope of any consultant you hire so that it's more than just the Ritas and it's more than just judge training.
1: Absolutely. I, and Sonny was going to do, um, you know, there were some other things within the scope, but this is this is a much broader scope of work um, that's going to look at every aspect of the organization. And, and so, you know, as we expanded the scope of work, um, we expanded the
0: proposals that we're looking at. In looking at the trust of the membership, what do you think can be done right now You know, um, right now,
1: I think the most important thing, and I think what they're asking for and what we're trying to provide is communication and transparency. And they want to see that we are taking steps And they want to see um, that we're, you know, as we say that we're committed to these things, that we actually are, you know, I guess walking the walk or yeah, whatever that phrase is, walking the walk. Um, And so I think it's the most important thing for us to communicate with them often and more and to be really clear about how we're working to get through this and to regain their trust and to make the organization better.
0: Does RWA acknowledge that there is a problem with racism and bigotry in the membership
1: you know, um, this has been a really difficult and painful time for us and for the romance community. Um, and you know, not like unlike other organizations, you know, we're grappling with the ways we need to change to to better address issues surrounding diversity and and inclusion. Um, acknowledging the ways we haven't served our members from underrepresented communities, identifying those ways, um, you know, which we'll be doing with the help of the DEI expert, um, consultant. And, you know, as part of the scope of their work, as I said, they're focusing on foundational policies and procedures, um, our forums, uh, and how those are handled programming training. Um, and, you know, I think one of the issues that we've had, you know, through the years as, as the boards have, as the various boards have been committed to DEI issues and, and, and increasing our focus on that and making it more than just um, a line item on the agenda, but as, you know, a commitment that permeates everything. Um, I think that, you know, they've been trying to implement change without the help of experts and Now we have this impetus and this opportunity to bring on those experts to guide us through so that we don't have to make um, piecemeal changes. We don't have to make incremental changes. And we can really um, look at things from tip to toe and, you know, build, I, I feel like I keep saying foundational, but, you know, build things from the foundation to address those issues. Um, you know, we want to create a a safe and diverse and inclusive community. And we want to be able when uh, issues do crop up, you know, we want to have the processes and the procedures and the training in place to properly handle them.
0: So is there a problem with racism and bigotry within the current membership that RWA can acknowledge?
1: So I think that We're a 9,000-member organization, and there are people from all different backgrounds and viewpoints in our organization. So, you know, we're a microcosm of the greater world.
0: Mm -hmm. And with the understanding that RWA itself cannot fix racism and bigotry all by itself because that's impossible, and neither can it eradicate white supremacist thought because that's baked into pretty much everything. I still want to come back to the fact that if you say that you want to create an inclusive and safe environment, that does include acknowledging where there are problems. Can RWA acknowledge a problem within the membership that appears, especially in in in-person events and in the online forums and in chapters, that there is an issue with bigotry and racism in the membership?
1: I think that there is an issue with the processes that we have in place to deal with things like that and to, you know, acknowledge and I, I think that there is not a
0: I'm trying to think how to say this. I'm sorry. Um, It's okay. Take your time. Yeah. I recognize that this is not an easy conversation and I am, uh, I am remiss in not saying thank you in advance for having it.
1: Well, you know, it is a hard conversation and I'm not willing to paint a swath, I guess, over our 9,000 members (laughs) because I think that, the problem is with how issues have been handled and and the support and the, the solutions need to come from a change in policy and procedure. And, um, you know, with leadership setting the example and really leaning into that idea that, DEI is not a line item on our agenda. It is one of the most important aspects of every single thing that we do. Every program that we put in place, of every event that we have, of, of, you know, every educational offering that we have, I think that's where
0: the problem and the solution is. So the problem is in policy and lack of, uh, integration of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the policy level of the organization. That's where you see the problem at the moment.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, that's why I see the problem. And I think that, um, when you have a top down commitment to this and you say, um, as a board and a staff, that this is what's important to us, and this is what we're going to accept, and this is what we're not going to accept, that that is that is what creates change within an organization.
0: How many members are there? Uh, are there currently? Has membership declined in total number since round about say December twenty third?
1: Um, so right now we have about eighty eight hundred members, um, you know, give or take, and. You know, through this month, we've had people join, we've had people reinstate and renew, and I down I think we're down
0: twenty members. Well, as one of the people who renewed to preserve my my standing, I understand that. I saw that. I, said, I checked. <laughs> I
1: said, <laughs> you actually checked if I was still a well, member. <laughs> only, because, only because you said um you said that E notes used to be my thing. And I was like, does she not get e-notes anymore?
0: Is she not a member anymore? Sorry. No, no. I, I When I said that, I meant um, I used to be the editor of the e-notes. That used to be my job. Are you serious? Yes. For like, oh gosh, like three or four years, I was the editor of the e-notes. Before it was uh, moved back in house, I think it's, gosh, it was like several presidents ago. It used to be a volunteer position. That was my job. I was the e-notes oh. editor for like four or five years. When I said that was my thing. I literally meant that was my thing. I was so confused. I had no idea about that. Oh well, so it's a, there. You go. <laughs> it's not very exciting. It's not very exciting at all. But yeah, that you know, it's used to be my job um, uh, for many, many years. Okay. So, I do have a question about leadership. You did mention leadership. Sure. What is the organization doing to fill the absence of leadership? Because it was my understanding, um, and I am not a entirely fluent in Texas nonprofit law, that the law requires a president and possibly also a secretary to be in place between now and August is a long time. How is RWA addressing the leadership absence at this time?
1: Yeah, so um, you're right. Uh, Texas nonprofit corporation statute uh, and our bylaws uh, say that we must have, uh, we shall fill the office of president and secretary. And, you know, it's the current board's Its top priority is ensuring the members have the leadership they can trust. And so we're in the process of, Um, filling those positions, um, you know, once we hire the, uh, I guess, let me back up a little. So the way that our bylaws work, um, if there's a vacant president seat, the president elect moves up. But if there's a vacant president and president elect seat, the board appoints the president. Um, And so, you know, we want to, you know, Leslie's going to be working with the board and the DEI consultant that we hire uh, to determine a process for appointing this interim president um, that, you know, as much as we're able, is going to allow members to have, you know, some sort of input in that decision. Again, you know, going back to trust, we want them to be able to believe in who is in that position. Um and so we've consulted with legal counsel and been advised that as long as the current board is acting like as a unit, like no, you know, not one of them is making any singular decisions, I guess. Um, any decisions they make are legal and enforceable you know, as we move forward with this process. But I can say that you know, uh, once we hire the DEI
0: consultant, that's going to be top number one priority. So first the DEI consultant and then addressing the absence of the president and the secretary.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, there's you know stuff going on behind the scenes now, like, uh, you know, figuring out who's eligible and things like that. And then um, but then once the DEI consultant is hired, create the process, um, appoint the president. And then once the president is appointed, uh, we can use a similar process to appoint the secretary. Just the way the bylaws are written, we have to the president has to be in place and then the secretary. Right. And then, you know, in August. All the officer, director and advisor positions um, are up for election. And so the membership will be able to vote on all those. And then um, the new board, which will take office September 1st, is going to form a search committee to um, look for the new full time executive director. Mm
0: -hmm. So when would elections be held? Just the same time they're regularly held, August. Is there a possibility of an election between now and then? No, nothing in our bylaws provides for that. So if I'm understanding correctly, based on the advice of the Romance Writers of America attorney, um, as long as the board is acting in a cohesive whole, the organization can operate between now and August without a president, without a, a secretary
1: um the you know we're not going to do that the we're going to appoint a president and a secretary right but the decisions that the board makes while there isn't a president or secretary um will you know are
0: legal Mm -hmm. and they're binding for the organization they're binding for the organization yes so what about national convention? I know uh I know registration is supposed to happen soon. Is national convention going to happen?
1: So yes, um it will happen in July in San Francisco. Um actually we just announced um well, we're about to announce as we're recording this. <laughs> um we just announced that uh registration will now be opening March 10th. Um and you know, conference is going to look different this year. Um, we're going to have, uh, of course, educational offerings. Um, but we'll also be working with the DEI consultant, um, to create, to select speakers, um, and, and to create an agenda that's gonna, you know, bring our members together and create a space where we can discuss these issues, um, that we're facing like as a community. So, um, you know, we're going to take this time between, um, now in the opening of registration to, um, put those things together.
0: So the hiring of the DEI consultant is the most urgent position that you're looking to fill at this time, because that person is going to advise on a lot of things. Do you have a timeline or goal or projected date by which this person will have been hired?
1: Um, I don't have a, uh, projected a specific date or anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, very soon, like incredible. Right. the board we've, we've, um, talked to and seen proposals from several different people. The board is currently reviewing them and, um, you know, I mean, it's imminent.
0: Do you, uh, do you get to see the proposals? Mm-hmm. I do. Can you tell me anything about them? Are they people who have experience in crisis management? What is the scope of some of them? Are there things in there that were um, particularly interesting to you? I'm just curious what you thought. I've
1: only seen a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I can look, I can ask to look at more of them, but I've only seen a couple so far. Um, and, you know, we've, we've talked to people with um, lots of different backgrounds. We've talked to people who have worked with, um, you know, uh, huge corporations and, and banks. And we've talked to people who have worked with, um, associations and we've talked to people who have worked with, um, you know, have a background in education. Um, you know, they all come at it with a slightly different approach, but, you know, all of them have been, um, they've all done their research and really focused on what RWA needs specifically. And, um, You know, ready to work with us on all those things I, you know, mentioned with the establishing uh, appointing new leadership and um, you know working on conference and then uh, doing reviews of our policies and procedures. They're just all very comprehensive. I mean, I've been incredibly impressed with the people that we've talked to and and their backgrounds, and they've all been
0: interested and excited to tackle RWA's um, challenges. Looking at the potential involvement of this person with with the national conference, have you extended any invitations to keynote speakers, or is that has has all of the development of the conference that would have taken place by now been tabled to restart with this new consultant?
1: Yeah. So a lot of um, a lot of what it would have taken place by now has has been tabled, but um, you know we've as uh, staff have been you know. Uh, researching and looking around and and reaching out to potential speakers. Um, But uh, the bulk of it, I think will be done with the consultant.
0: The consultant appointment is longer than just until August. This is a longer term position. What about chapters that have announced that they are disbanding or discussed disbanding? What efforts are being made to address the chapter level uh, fallout from what has happened in the past month?
1: Yeah, so we know our our chapters have been having, you know, a really challenging time as well. Um, Leslie has begun uh, reaching out to chapter leaders um, just to talk with them one-on-one to hear their concerns, you know, answer the questions they might have, uh, talk about, you know, areas they're struggling in, ideas they might have, um, you know, just, just to determine and talk to them about how we can best support them in this time. Um, you know, for chapters that disband, we're um, putting things in place so that the members can still, you know, stay connected and, and you know, be part of a community. Um, but just ultimately right now, we're working to rebuild those relationships and, and get everyone the information and the
0: support that they need. Have you um, received more communication from chapter leaders regarding dissolution? I
1: couldn't personally say. I think right now, you know, they're um, just talking to just trying to figure out, you know, different things with dues. And, you know, if they have had uh, board members quit, how they can appoint new ones, you know, qualifications for that. What's the process? Um, but I, I'm not quite as involved in
0: I'm um, not quite as involved in that. The scope of your job is also to, you don't make any of the policy decisions. No. You just represent those decisions to the membership through PR. Yes. You're not in charge. No. (laughs) If you were in charge, is there anything that you would do right now? I mean,
1: I, I think that right now my job as it is is one of the most important, because as you say, or as I said earlier, um, we need to be communicating with our members and with chapters, and so that's what I would be doing. Our current board is incredibly committed to rebuilding the organization. I have been glad to have their support during this time, um, and and I know that they are working really hard. I mean, they're working incredibly hard to. Um, I guess, right the ship and then, and then make it better. You know, we're, we're only a month, we're only a month into this.
0: I they've know had to make, it seems like much longer. I'm sorry.
1: It's, oh yeah. It feels like much longer. I, they've, they've had to make lots of decisions uh, rapidly and, and, you know, I've been. they All their conversations have been around. How do we make this better? How do we, um. Support our members.
0: How has the uh, how has this past month affected the the advocacy efforts on behalf of romance writers?
1: You know that's that's hard because you know advocacy is one of our main purposes, if not you know the main purpose. It's it's what we're here for, and it's been a really uh, difficult month for that for us and for the members. And you know we're um, committed to having an organization that can focus on advocacy, but, you know, in the short term right now, we're working on reestablishing our leadership and um, building processes that are going to make us more effective advocates for all of our members.
0: What, uh, what can you tell me about RWA's efforts to help members who are authors of Dream Sprinter, Dream Sprinter Press, who haven't been paid, Is there anything you can say about that? Um, I
1: mean, you know, last year, I can say that last year, um, staff reached out to Dream Spinner, um, about missing payments. Um, and when it was determined that, you know, they were violating our industry code, um, we gave them 30 days to rectify the matter. And when they didn't, um, we put them on probation, which me and, and which means they're taken off of our qualifying markets list. Um. And they can't participate in any um, RWA activities. They can't be in our publications. Um, just to explain our qualifying markets list is a list of publishers who we have reviewed and, um, you know, determined that they're not in violation of our, any of our industry code. They're not um, participating in predatory publishing practices. Um, and so when members look at that list, they can see, okay, you know, these are, these have been reviewed by RWA and deemed to be in compliance with these things. Um, And so we took them off that list and, uh, you know, they remain on probation. Um, And right now we're looking at other ways, you know, we can assist affected members within the legal bounds of what we can do as a professional association.
0: Uh, Do you remember when last year that happened? Um, so they were
1: informed on August 29th that um, they had 30 days to rectify the matter and they were on probation on October 1st.
0: Mm-hmm. Can the organization communicate more of what it is doing to help the uh, Dream Spinner authors who are RWA members?
1: As we look at, you know, what more we can do, yes, we can absolutely um, communicate. With members, but you know the concern with it last year was um, our legal counsel. You know they advised us not to speak out too publicly um, on this because um, you know just in the interest of um, you know not doing anything that you know could push them into bankruptcy or cause other damages that would have. opened rwa up to a potential lawsuit and also when publishers go into bankruptcy um it you know can it can delay um or absolutely prevent authors from getting payment from receiving their payments and um, like at all um, um, mm-hmm. and then if they go into bankruptcy there the bank can take control of their rights for their book Yes. And that's even authors who have had their rights reverted to them. Um, if it's within a specific time period, the bank can say, no, those are ours now. I mean, I'm not sure what that's legal term, but they can take back control of those rights even after they've been reverted. And so it was really crucial for us not to have that happen and not to open up RWA to a lawsuit and to make sure that we didn't do anything that would further prevent authors from being paid.
0: So what can you say to members who no longer trust or believe that RWA can work on their behalf because of this, because of other incidences, because of the past month, what can you say to members who are unsure or don't believe that RWA works on their behalf as romance writers? Uh, You know, I
1: can say that the board and staff are working incredibly hard to regain that trust and to um, put things in place. Uh, to show that we are ready and able to work on their behalf. I mean, you know, this, is, this, this past month has been new territory for all of us and we're working on a lot of different fronts. And, um, you know, we may not always get it right and we want to be really thoughtful in how we proceed, but our primary focus is to rebuild the organization, uh, you know, one that our members can be proud of. And I feel like... I I don't know if this is a weird thing to say but I feel like um it's it's kind of exciting that we've been given this opportunity um to really get down to the nitty-gritty of how RWA works and to be able to rebuild it from you know the ground up to um not be making incremental changes. And um, we're going to take advantage of the opportunity, you know, to make sure that RWA is working
0: for all of its members. Then what are the benefits to joining or renewing membership in RWA right now with so much in transition with so much undecided and so many people to be put into place and so many policies to be written what is the benefit of joining RWA at this time?
1: You know, um, RWA is built. RWA is built to be a place for community for writers to come together. You know, all different stages of their career. Um, you know, we're supposed to be a place where authors can feel like we have their back, like they're not alone in their profession. And you know, we're built to provide them um, advocacy and education. So they can succeed in their careers. And, and we're absolutely still committed to doing that, um, to advocating and to educating and creating community. And, um, as I said, we're, we're working to build an organization that members can be proud of and that fulfills all of these purposes for all of our members. Um, you know, through all of this, it's really, um, It's kind of been, it's been inspiring and and heartening the passion that our members have for what RWA could be and and what we should be. And and we want to build an organization that lives up to that passion. And we hope our members and, and, you know, members of the romance community who are thinking about joining um, can work with us to to create this uh, stronger and more inclusive
0: organization. So who does RWA serve? We serve our members. And who are the members? What is the the population, the audience, the community of Romance Writers of America?
1: Um, for the most part, our members are uh, romance writers, um, both published and unpublished. Uh, we do have members that are uh, industry professionals, um, you know, editors, agents, things like that. But for the most part, um, Career focused romance writers, and that's who we're here to serve.
0: That's our mission. See the the problem where I as a as a member, mm-hmm. um, the problem where I balk at the stated community of RWA is that I don't believe that you can have a welcoming and inclusive community of romance writers that serves everyone, including those who have been marginalized, that doesn't address the members who maintain the marginalization of other members. And I think that it is RWA's responsibility to openly and specifically address how that's going to be changed.
1: Well, and I think that's, that's the, the plan for the board to address those issues, to address them with the DEI consultant, to work with the membership um, on this. I, I, I don't I think that's their plan. I,
0: I hope so, because like you said, it wouldn't be so hard and it wouldn't be so fraught, and people wouldn't be so angry if it didn't matter.
1: You're right. And it, it does matter, and it matters a great deal. And I think that I think that the board shares. Shares that belief that it matters.
0: Are you, are you optimistic about the next year? Yeah, I I actually am.
1: Um, I I really am because um, I believe in the people that I'm working with, and um, I believe in where you know they want the organization to go. And I think the place they want the organization to go is in a direction of being more include, inclusive and diverse and equitable and i like i said earlier we we've, we've been given this opportunity to to reshape the organization in that way
0: i hope that it happens i i am not as optimistic i must say i am not as optimistic well, because i see what people feel safe saying in the pan forums, which at this point are not moderated. Am I right about that? So um,
1: they are on a self moderation system, which means that members can flag posts that they uh, think violate the forum rules. And then um, staff goes through and reviews the moderated posts Um. There have been a huge amount
0: of. I was going to say, um, with what time? That's a full-time job. I know that because it's my job. <laughs> that's a job I do. Um, has the organization considered not having the forums for a while? Um, I think there's been, uh, I, I mean,
1: that's a board discussion that I haven't necessarily been a part of. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's lots of discussion around the fact that they are um, Needs to be discussions and decisions about the forums, but I, I'm not privy to what those might be.
0: I recognize that there are things that you know you're not you're not making policy decisions all day. I, I fully recognize that. Um, but like I said, I do see what members feel comfortable saying and what beliefs they feel comfortable espousing that fundamentally deny the humanity and right of other members, and I struggle to see the future. Um, with optimism. But like you said, still a member. I'm a cranky member, but I'm still a member.
1: Well, I, you know, even cranky members are, are
0: there to help us fight for this change. Is there anything you would like to say to, to the people who will be listening?
1: I would like to say that I believe in this organization. I believe in what RWA can do for the romance community. And I think that everyone from the board members I work with, the staff I work with, the chapter leaders and the membership want RWA to be better. And even if they're struggling as you are, know that it can be better and, and we can create an organization that is there to be a safe and inclusive place for all of our members. And, it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take time and it's going to take resources. And I think that we're committed to getting it done. I'm, I'm very hopeful.
0: I'm very optimistic and hopeful. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I want to thank Jessie Edwards for her time and for answering my questions tomorrow, February 3rd. I will have the final episode in the series on RWA one month later, and I will be speaking with Courtney Milan. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thank you to Garlic Knitter for the transcription of each episode, and thank you to our podcast Patreon community, whose support makes transcripts of these episodes possible. If you would like to have a look at our Patreon, patreon.com slash smartbitches. Thank you for listening. I will see you back here tomorrow for part four of RWA One Month Later. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.